in everyone to a fantastic new whisper in the wings from stage whisper we have a very special guest joining us today we have the dancer and choreographer jody sperling who is with the new york society for ethical culture and time lapse dance presentation of arbor and other works this is playing friday november 17th at 7 p.m at the New York Society for Ethical Cultures Adler Hall. And the tickets are free, which is amazing. But to reserve your tickets and get more information, please visit timelapsedance.com. This is a beautiful, beautiful dance show. We are so excited to be able to get to share this with you. And we're so excited to have our guests who is here to tell us more about it and share this fabulous company. So let's go ahead and welcome her on. Jody. welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And I would love to whisper to you about this show and <laughs> about the project. I would love that. Yes, let's dive right into it and, and have you first tell us a little bit about what Arbor and other works is, well, is and is about. So first of all, I'm a choreographer and a dancer, and this is a presentation of my dance company, Time Lapse Dance. And for the last year or so, we have been resident artists at the New York Society for Ethical Culture. And we are actually the eco-artist in residence there. And our work as a dance company is really involved with deepening and enhancing our the understanding, our sort of physical kinetic understanding of our relationship with the environment and how we are all sort of interconnected beings. And our mission really is to, you know, use dance or deploy dance to make the world a better place, a more sustainable, more equitable world, and to kind of envision that through performance. And so we found an alignment with ethical culture, which is a humanist organization. People sometimes want to know what is, what is ethical culture? It's a humanist organization that has as its mission, making the world a better place. <laughs> so in the pandemic, we, you know, found a home basically for this work. And the work that brought us in there was this piece, which has become Arbor. It's been developing over a couple of years, but what set this inquiry off is trees is like thinking about how people and trees are connected and what, like and it it was really interesting because I think there's a kind of groundswell of interest in trees right now like there's a citywide you know project to plant like a million more trees and people are realizing that trees are like a social justice issue because the area the neighborhoods where there's trees planted are like cooler, you know, in the, in the summer, like significantly cooler. They have better air than the areas where they don't have trees. And this becomes like an equity issue. So trees promote peace. They pr promote well-being. But the origin of this piece of dance, you know, that, uh, that what's become Arbor was really thinking about and, and doing a kind of deep dive in the pandemic, uh, reading about trees. And the thing that people have discovered about trees is that they are a lot like people because we used to think trees are just like a single tree. And actually we used to think people were like a single person. And what we realized about trees is that trees have these in their root systems, they have something called mycorrhizal fungi, which is like fungi that help them communicate with other trees and they share resources. And so this has become you know, called the world wide web. And so when you think of a tree, 
is not just one organism. It's like a whole composite of fungi and plant life and bacteria that, and also not just one tree, but like a whole forest or a grove or however, you know, that is all like working together as like a functioning system. And the same thing is true of people. Like we think, oh, we're just one, but actually like we've got trillions of gut bacteria and we can't live without them, you know, and, and also no individual can really live without being as part of a community. So I think that that was sort of the genesis for this idea that like trees can help people understand how interconnected we are. And so I started working on this piece back in 2021. It was a solo and then it's developed now for my company. And it's really coming out of a series of works that have been collaborations with a composer named Matthew Bertner. So Matthew and I have collaborated for about almost 10 years now. And he's a like one of the foremost environmental composers and does this really cool thing called ecoacoustics, which is where he uses like data from the environment and recordings and uses different compositional techniques like you know, filtering that data through harmonic systems or, or different things to create music composition. And that's called eco-acoustics. And so we've been collaborating for a long time. And we did the first project we did together like in 2014, 2015 was called Ice Cycle. And that was based on me having gone to the Arctic and danced on Arctic sea ice and him having spent a lot of time in the Arctic as a child and growing up and knowing a lot about ice and snow and making music of ice and snow. So we did that project. And then we did another project that was called Windrose, which we're actually performing in this concert next next week. <laughs> and that is about changing atmospheric conditions. And then during the pandemic, we developed this piece about plastic proliferation. And it's kind of like that one is has like a whole range of, you know, effects. And so that's called Plastic Harvest. And then over the last year or so, we've been developing this arbor that focuses on trees and this connection between trees and people. So if you come and you see the dance, like, like what does it look like? <laughs> Time-lapse dance has this very unique style of dance where we use fantastic costuming and that extends the body radically into space. And this costuming is actually inspired by a historical dance figure named Louis Fuller, who about a hundred years ago used these big costumes. And so our costumes use like hundreds of yards of silk and we have sticks inside the costumes and they extend the body in the space. And what they do is they create kind of dynamic sculptural forms. So what you can see, it amplifies human movement and it abstracts it so that people moving cannot represent not just like a person, but you can see also like the way that they can conjure up a kind of natural essence or like almost like a our company's time-lapse dance. We're creating like time lapses of natural forces. So like when you see Arbor, what you're kind you could think of it as like time lapses of tree growth or like time lapses of like tree communication. And so for the piece Arbor, we're using these big white costumes, but they're actually actually painted, hand painted, which is an incredibly painstaking and time consuming process with tree limbs. And they're actually elm branches because we were trying to think about like, what are trees that I live in New York, you know, like not in the middle of a forest. 
And what's really cool is that in New York, we have these, like this in Central Park, we have a stand of elm trees that are like survivors because like the elm, as everyone like probably knows, like elm trees were wiped out pretty much by Dutch elm disease, which is a fungus. But in Central Park, there's a stand of elm trees that survive and elm trees are very elegant. They have these amazing long like branches. And so I was thinking like, I have this connection with elms and so what Matthew did for the music is a part of the music. There's it's it's a lot of sections, a lot of different elements in this one piece, but he sonified like some data from American Elm and compressed like the tree rings. It was a tree cut and he like measured the length of the different uh, tree rings. And so he turned that into a rhythm and then he looped that rhythm. So they basically, you got like the full cycle of the tree on a loop. And that's like one, the final section, which we call canopy. It's like, it has this rhythm that keeps repeating. And that rhythm is like the life cycle of that elm tree, like repeated. It's very cool. So anyway, that was a very long, like this is, this is a work that's been in process for a long time. And we, it uses our sort of signature technique of this, what we call the Lowy Fuller apparatus or these large costumes that are hand-painted. The, the textile artist is Gina Nagy Burns and the costumes are constructed by Mary Jo Mecca, who's, who worked with us for a long time. And then some of the dancers, like we have both the costumes and not the costumes. So there's one section where the dancers are kind of just in kind of most like more like street clothes and they're just entwined, intertwined and their limbs kind of confused. And it's almost like they're creating, we call that section trunk because it's like they're sort of overlapping and informing in a kind of a tangle of collaborative organisms. <laughs> And hopefully modeling, you know, like the kind of internet connectedness that exists within us. And I guess I have to say, just say the last piece that makes this premiere really special is that, you know, typically when we, Matthew and I collaborate, he basically creates an electronic score, you know, using a lot of data and sampling. And then often he'll come, like usually once a year, he'll come to New York and perform uh, live, but he'll do live electronics or live percussion with his really cool instruments that he makes up. But this time, not only is he coming, but he, we've comp he's composed a string quartet to go along with the score. And so we have a string quartet of musicians from the Met Orchestra coming to play live for the premiere. So it's one night only. <laughs> we have the six amazing dancers of time-lapse dance. We have Matthew Bertner, who's like world-renowned composer, and we have Met Orchestra musicians coming. And we're gonna uh, perform the premiere of Arbor, but we'll also do, um, and that's about 22 minutes. And then we'll also perform some of our other signature repertory. <laughs> wow, that all sounds amazing, though. Wow. Yeah. This is just an incredible show. I love the inspiration behind it. I love the use of costumes and fabric. I have seen a couple pictures, and it does. It just looks so en enchanting. So that's incredible. So let me ask, what has it been like developing Arbor and other works and getting this ready for the one night with the Met Orchestra and everything? So it's been, you know, it's been incredible. When I first started working on this piece, I just had one costume 
And I first performed it at an open street. Like, you know, we have been doing these performances on the street, partly to advocate for, you know, transforming urban design, right? So that we don't like just have all our land, all our public land allocated for fossil fuel emitting vehicles, but we actually kind of start to think about ways that we could transform our streetscape so that it would be healthier, safer, more resilient. Like, you know, so I did this as a processional on Amsterdam Avenue, right in the middle of the avenue. And I did it like when I did it there, I was thinking about uh, this tree being like both uh, recalling all the trees that used to be on Amsterdam Avenue, right? Like, you know, a few hundred years ago, it was trees, right? So like thinking about that, but then also like, hey, we could actually just like tear up this asphalt and like put trees in and that would actually be better for everyone, you know, like, so that was sort of like where uh, it started. And that was in 2021. And then I was performing as a solo in 21 and 22. And then we started developing it as a group piece. And what's been great is, so, you know, this piece sort of, um, Audrey Kindred, who's the youth and family programs director at Ethical had seen, you know, like just a costume sketch and was like really interested in, she's obsessed with trees and like that sort of brought us into Ethical just to show it at one of the Sunday platforms. And then we started developing it Ethical. And again, you know, like trees just like have this, you know, we're doing a family program called Community Tree. And I think trees just like are, everybody gets on board with trees. Like, it's like the one thing the city council can agree on is like trees, you know? Like, you know, like anything else, like, you know, it, it like divides, you know, but like trees, you know, like, yes, air, we breathe the air, they, you know, like they clean the air, they're nice, they're pretty to look at, like everybody likes trees. So from there, it's been a kind of process exploring, okay, how can we take this idea of into movement? Because I think the main thing is that trees like, you know, move, but they just move in this like really slow time. And so we don't see their movement and we don't see them making choices or, you know, and so if you think about a time-lapse, how it like speeds up movement, then you can think about like the tree as actually like, you know, moving with like agency. And like, that's what we don't really ascribe to plants. We don't ascribe plants agency. And, but like that device of a time-lapse can facilitate our thinking about them as like sentient and intelligent, you know, beings and collaborative beings. So, so that's sort of, and I, so we've been, you know, just as a company, like trying to, you know, we spent a lot of time, like, you know, warming up and like thinking about how to like access, like, like just like in our fingers, the like rootedness and, you know, how can we get to like that kind of gnarly place without it being too like, you know, mimetic, you know, and so like trying to get it into like a sincere place of like, what is that? What does that mean to like, what does it feel like? Like, how does it, you know, tree grow? Like, what does it mean to access like a different time zone? That sounds amazing though. I love that. I love, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm all about the idea of giving agency to, to trees and to life. And, you know, it really takes an idea and turns it on its head, you know? So I love that. And then of course, we're getting to see that physicalization through the art form of dance, through that expression. So that's amazing. Now with all of this, with all these great works that you're performing on this day, is there a message or a thought you're hoping audiences take away? 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, you know, 10 years ago when we started doing our climate, I mean, I've been choreographing for much longer than 10 years, but around 10 years ago, our program started to have a climate theme or message, which is the kind of building awareness around climate change. But the message has changed, I think, in the last couple of years, because 10 years ago is really trying to inform and awaken people's like understanding of what's happening and the kind of, and I think now people are really concerned, but like, they're not just concerned, they're terrified. And so, and also like we're afraid, people are afraid to talk about it because it seems so overwhelming. And so one of the things that I hope that these performances do is that we bring climate up in a way where we, in a way where we can deal with it because we're talking about peace here. Like we're talking about like, okay, like we're processing, you know, that yes, like we're in a really dire state of emergency on the planet. Like we have to recognize and understand that, but what do you do in an emergency? Like you don't freak out, right? Like you stay calm. And so part of our message here is we want people to be engaged in thinking about the environment and thinking about climate change in a way that where they feel, they don't feel so hopeless. Like they feel like that they can stay calm and act. And, and you can act on so many different levels, like on a local level and and you can connect with other people that you can t- like, there are just so many different levels of being engaged, like having conversations about the weather. That is a really core part of climate engagement. It's like normalizing, talking about the weather in relation to planetary change, right? Like, you know, <laughs> seriously, like, <laughs> you know, we almost had, we did a performance in June outside at the NYCHA housing project, and we almost had to cancel it because it was like the week after the, you know, the air quality in New York was like over 400 parts per million with the particulate matter and you could barely breathe. So, you know, it was like, we, we were talking about not having a rain day for the event, but having like a climate day, you know? And then the idea that you have to have like a climate day for an event because like they, and then we ended up having that day, but like we had three events this, there were, it was like, it kept raining on Saturdays this fall. And we had to like reorganize because we normally, we do a lot of outdoor performing and we ended up having to switch one of our outdoor performances inside on city of forest day. And then we did, yeah. And one of our performances is, you know, postponed until the spring basically, because it rained on the rain date. So like, you know, and that's not normal, you know, like, so like, so one thing, so talking about like talking to each other about what your feelings, dealing with the eco anxiety, like talking about the weather, that's like, that's part of it. And then, you know, making it real, like making sure that your electeds know that this is like front and central center for every decision. And then every single decision, like, like, in every group that you're a part of, like you can enact change. Like just as an example, like in my building, you know, I've advocated that we have compost bins, right? Like you can do that in your building, right? If you belong to a church or a community organization, you can do the same. You can make sure if they have a function that they're like, you know, maybe they, if there's a building, they can have an assessment, like what's a way this building can be more energy efficient, or maybe there's like, they can have a green roof or, you know, whatever, Whatever it is, or if you want to get involved with an open streets organization that's going to like advocate for, you know, fewer cars. I mean, that's very controversial in the city and you can, you know, 
like run into a lot of opposition because the car lobby, the parking lobby is extremely motivated and well-organized. And so, you know, there's a lot of like any time people try to like, you know, reduce the number of parking spaces or, you know, even just like redesign so that we can get our trash containerized, put on the street, not on the sidewalk. It like, it can run into like a really difficult situation for community board members who end up being like, you know, like for lack of a better word, harassed by like, I, I <laughs> so, so, you know, I'm just saying it can be, I went to in, in our district, there was a, a street where we have performed a few times and that's an open street on 103rd street. And they are wanting to put in a, take a few parking spaces out to narrow the street have like curb hugs, put some planners in. And, and actually our city council person had to like hire a peace moderator because there was such like violent opposition to this project, which was only going to save lives, you know? So, <laughs> and yeah. I know. So it's like, I'm just saying, so getting involved, like in terms of like, what is the message of our project is like, like getting involved in these kinds of, you know, grassroots level projects, they can feel like time consuming or it can feel energetic, but also like, like it, it actually makes you feel more activated, more connected with other people, but it can, it can take, and it can also be national or global level that you can get involved. So I think that's the thing. It's like, we, we're not saying how you need to get involved. We're just, you know, providing an experience which can help mitigate, you know, the eco-anxiety and help hopefully motivate kind of like renewed community involvement and activism. I love that. Yes, to all of that. Well, my final question for this first part, we've kind of dabbled in, but I would love to know, who do you hope have access to Arbor and other works? So as I mentioned, like the program is free. And so that was really important to us to try to make it as inclusive as possible for the audience. So one of the things that the Society for Ethical Culture has been doing is reaching out to the public housing projects that are on the far side of Lincoln Center. So the society is, the house is housed at 64th and Central Park West. And as you know, there's this history around the construction of Lincoln Center, where they tore down, you know, a neighborhood and displaced people to, you know, and then erected a wall in Amsterdam Avenue, put up public housing behind that wall, and it basically created a kind of neighborhood where people really don't feel welcome to cross that barrier. And Lincoln Center is in a process of tearing, they're literally tearing the, like puncturing the wall and creating like more openness and dialogue with the community on the far side of Amsterdam Avenue. And so ethical culture also has a social service wing providing services to people in need in the NYCHA houses. And time-lapse dance has partnered with the social service board to bring free performance, you know, across Amsterdam Avenue to the Amsterdam edition houses. And we have been, and also to a, another development, Harborview Terrace. So we have been, you know, going and rehearsing and forging relationships with the Tenants Association and the residents of Amsterdam Houses. And we hope that they feel welcome enough to come and attend this program, you know, just a few blocks away. So they're one audience that we do hope, you know, will like partake of this, you know, feast of art <laughs> and also a feast of pizza for, <laughs> for some folks <laughs> before. 
And then we also, you know, welcome anyone, you know, who would like to come. The nice thing is this sanctuary is 800 seats. And so we really can welcome a large contingent of the public. And another way that we are reaching different members of the community is that on Thursday morning, we're offering a school field trip to the society called Community. And we're welcoming over 500 school children to come and to have like a taste of the program. So if they wanted, if they got excited and if the school kids got excited and they wanted to bring their parents to the public program, they could do that as well. And those are mostly neighborhood school children, elementary, middle school. I want to get things started with my favorite question to ask guests, and that is, what is your favorite theater memory? So I feel like I had, I guess this isn't one memory, but I one of my things that really influenced me a lot growing up was that my mother always took me to see Broadway shows like every year on my birthday, but like any special occasion. And so I had a kind of context for dance that did grow out of musical theater, even though that's not the pathway that I ended up pursuing. I love that though. Yes, mom, mom doing it right. Getting you involved (laughs) in the arts early. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that. As we wrap this up, I would love to know if you or your company have any other projects or productions coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you. Sure. So the first thing is please stay in touch. If you'd like to receive notices about our future performances, many of which are free, just go to our website and you can subscribe to our newsletter, or you can follow us on Instagram at Jody underscore Sperling or at time underscore labs underscore dance. (laughs) And we do have also a few showcase performances for the, a conference in January that will also be open to the public. And then we'll be doing more programming, lots of programming in the spring and developing a new project based on immersion and my experience doing underwater dancing. So I just like put that out there. That sounds so cool. Oh my gosh. This sounds great. Well, Jody, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today and share this incredible work and the incredible company that you are working for and with the work you're doing is amazing so thank Thank you so much for sharing it and thank you for your time today well thank you for you know inviting me and allowing me to share about it it's been a pleasure talking to you today oh thank you so much my guest today has been the dancer and choreographer Jody Sperling, who is part of the New York Society for Ethical Culture and Time-Lapse Dance Presentation of Arbor and Other Works. It's playing Friday, November 17th at 7 p.m. at the New York Society for Ethical Culture's Adler Hall. And the free tickets, we mentioned the tickets were free because they're free. Those free tickets and more information are available at timelapsedance.com. We also have some other contact information for our guests and her company, which we'll be posting on our social media posts, as well as on our episode description. But if you are looking for a very inspiring, beautiful, timely show that makes a perfect night out at the theater, then check out Arbor and Other Works 
Friday, November 17th at 7 p.m. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear please leave a five-star review like and subscribe you can also find us on facebook and instagram at stage whisper pod and feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com and be sure to check out our brand new website for all things stage whisper and theater you'll be able to find merchandise tours tickets and more simply visit stagewhisperpod.com our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.